Welcome to the Fearless Mom Podcast, where our goal is to give practical tips and tools to help moms actually enjoy parenting. Whether you're watching or listening by yourself or you're with a group, we're just so glad that you've joined us. And remember, we never wanna add to your already long to-do list. We just wanna help you be intentional with what you're already doing. Welcome to the Fearless Mom podcast, and we are pretty excited that it is December, that it is almost Christmas, the most wonderful time of the year. Those of you who know me know that I love Christmas so much. I love everything about it from the traditions at our church with singing Silent Night by Candlelight, the exciting Believe services. I love teaching the Christmas story um, in LHC Kids. I love decorating for Christmas. I love I love everything about it. I love the Christmas lights in the neighborhoods. I love, I don't know, I love the hustle and bustle. I love the crowded stores, the crazy um, lines. It just makes me excited that the whole world is celebrating um, the birth of Jesus, whether they know it or not, that's what they're celebrating. And so I hope that you are feeling the excitement, but amidst the excitement that you are taking time to pause and ponder what that means for you, what that means for you personally, for your family and um, for this generation. What an opportunity we have before us moms to say, yes, look at this Target parking lot. Look at how crazy it is. Guys, do you know why we are celebrating? Do you know why it's so crazy right now? It's because it's Jesus's birthday. And on your birthday, you get presents. On my birthday, I get presents. But Jesus's birthday is such a big deal that everybody gets presents. It's a big celebration. Guys, do you know why we put lights everywhere? Do you know that Jesus said he is the light of the world and that we're supposed to let our light shine? There are just so many opportunities in this season to teach the symbolism of all the decorations, to teach the traditions and why we do them. It's just full of opportunities for natural conversation, for teachable moments, if you will, no matter your child's age, what an opportunity we have to teach gratitude, which is one of our pirate parenting principles. And gratitude is a huge opportunity to fight that entitlement that, um, is, you know, plagues so many people today. So, you know, to be grateful, to express that gratefulness to people we have an incredible opportunity during the Christmas season. And then the opportunity of generosity to teach that to our children, to allow them, to invite them into the process of gift giving. Um, yes, the gift receiving, to teach them ahead of time how to thank the person who gave the gift, how to teach empathy. Think about how um grandmama felt when she was shopping for you and she bought this and we want to make sure she knows that we appreciate that look at granny's face and how happy he is that he gets to share with you and we get to teach them you know how to be grateful and how to be generous involve them in the gift shopping and in the gift wrapping yes it takes longer and yes it's messier but we get to take advantage of this season to teach our kids so many life skills 
ultimately, guys, we want to teach them that Jesus came to save us, that Jesus is Emmanuel, God with us. And if you don't have a church family, we encourage you to tune in to LHC.org on um, December 19th, 23rd or 24th and join us for our Believe Christmas services. Um, if you do have a church family, we encourage you to make the effort, make the time to attend a service so that you can set your hearts and minds right and remind your kids of why we celebrate so very big. We're going to add today, um, we're going to do something a little different. We're going to share with you the session that I taught on boredom. Um, it was our last session of the fall, and we were recording um, during the brunch, but we were recording It's Not All Bad, Boredom. And boredom isn't all bad, and the studies show that we need to create space in our lives for boredom, space that our minds um, have opportunity to wander and be creative. And so we cover a few things in this session that I thought may be beneficial right now to us, including some great gift-giving ideas. You know, we love giving experiences and giving subscriptions. We love um, things like that. You'll, we'll cover it all in this session. But I want to tell you while I'm thinking about it that Kids Faith Crate, Kids Faith Crate, and you spell crate with a K. So Kids Faith Crate, that is one of our partners. And that is a great gift to give to any kid and they'll every month they will get a Kids Faith Crate. And you can look them up, kidsfaithcrate.com. And like I said, that's crate with a K. But just another example of a way to um, give a gift, but it's also an experience and an opportunity for creativity and learning scripture. It really combines them all. So enjoy this next session. Again, this is from our fall brunch, but we talk a lot about the holidays and giving gifts. Hope you guys have a great day. And here you go. Today we're doing another session in our series, It's Not All Bad, talking about things that we tend to avoid and we definitely want our kids to avoid, but that we know are actually good for them if we teach them how to address and overcome them. We've talked about failure, we've talked about stress, and get ready, today we're talking about It's Not All Bad, Boredom. Boredom, it's not all bad. There's so much research to say that there is some great value in allowing our kids, allowing ourselves to be bored. And that's what we're gonna talk about today. But before we jump in, we want to welcome in our online moms, whether you're watching or listening. Um, we are glad that technology has connected us. And you know what? I bet that some of you are feeling maybe overwhelmed. Maybe you are feeling like, I don't know what I'm doing and maybe what I've been doing hasn't been working and I don't know if what I do matters. Well, I'm here to tell you and we are here to tell you that what you're doing matters and to stay in the game and to stay the course. We are with you, we are for you. And we know, whether you feel it or not, that God has called you to this and you are exactly the mom that your child needs. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you for the gift of your word. I thank you for the gift of technology and the gift and the overwhelming blessing of motherhood. Right now, I ask that you settle our hearts and minds and open our eyes and ears to see and hear 
what you want us to learn today so that we can be the moms that you have called us and created us to be, to raise up these kids to discover who you created them to be. In Jesus' name, and everybody said? Amen. About, I'm going to say at least 20 years ago, um, gosh, I'm so old, at least 20 years ago. At least 20 years ago, Mac came home. He was studying for a message series. And to be honest, I have no idea what the message series was about. I just vividly remember this um, conversation we had. He came home and he started talking about an article that he had read and some information he had discovered about how TV was bad for young children and how young children should never watch TV, and there was so much research to support it. Well, I remember reacting um, viscerally and spouting off everything brilliant that our children had learned from television, and that if it weren't for Barney, our children would not know that Feliz Cumpleaños means happy birthday, and that they learned how to count from Barney. And then on Sesame Street, they learned all kinds of things. Poor Mac was like, what is happening? And I was getting angrier and angrier. I'm sure my face was red. I'm sure I got louder. I do remember his face, shell-shocked. Like, what just happened? What did I just say? He said, I, I was just telling you about an article that I read. We talk about research all the time. But for some reason, he was sharing information. What I heard was accusation. And I heard him telling me that you have done it all wrong and our kids are, you know, scarred forever. They will be a step behind for the rest of their lives because of decisions that you have made. Thank you very much. I heard accusation. I heard judgment. And the cause came out. I wasn't just hurt. I wasn't just offended. I was furious with him. And I probably in my own way, gently gave him the cold shoulder for at least 48 hours. And it took me a while to realize what was happening. And poor Mac had no idea. I, I'm not even sure he noticed the cold shoulder. You know, I'm th thinking there, think, sitting there thinking I'm being so, you know, passive aggressively, <laughs> daggers. And he was, he had no idea what was going on. Well, what was happening was I was fearful. I worried. He gave me this information, totally just stating it as, hey, look what I read. Look at this interesting information. I thought, well, it's too late now. Our kids are in elementary school, scarred forever, and they will never recover. What was it? It was mom guilt. And mom guilt set in so much so that I could not hear the information. I certainly couldn't make any decisions moving forward based on that information. All I felt was guilty. And mom guilt is real. Raise your hand if you've ever felt mom guilt. Anyone in here? That's right. Because you start feeling mom guilt as soon as you discover you may be pregnant. What have I eaten? What have I been drinking? What Have I scarred my child forever already? And I'm just, you know, 10 weeks. It sets in early. And guess what? It never goes away. It is something that hovers over and lingers. Mom guilt is that feeling of, I haven't done enough. What I'm doing is wrong. And is this even working? And what have I done? Instead of raising my kids up, I'm pretty sure I'm messing my kids up. And it's real. And we, we see Instagram posts about it. There are memes about it. We poke fun at it. But if we're not careful and if we're not intentional, then that mom guilt can stop us in our tracks. It can be paralyzing. It can be damaging. And I'm here to tell you that mom guilt is real. Mom guilt is normal. 
but we don't make our decisions out of our mom guilt. Moving forward, we say, yes, I will always feel that way about some things. Some of us feel it more than others about certain things. Every time I study, I call and tell my kids, I am so sorry. I was doing the best I could at the time. And I have to claim that Romans 8, 28. God's going to use it in your life. And he's going to use it in other people's lives when I share what not to do. Okay? So let's move forward and all agree that I'm not a terrible mother. There's, it's something in us. It's normal and natural. But we will not. Everybody say, I will not. I will not let it drive my decisions moving forward because as we talk about, it's not all bad. And today we're going to talk about boredom. We're going to learn interesting information and you're going to start analyzing, have I done it right this far? What should I do differently? Oh my word, I've already bought presents that are totally against our family values or we've already been, we've already set these patterns into place. Whoa up. We're all doing the best we can. And what we're going to do is take this information and say, God, show me what I can learn to be a better mom today than I was yesterday. Show me what I can learn to be the best mom that I'm created to be. You may talk to your friends and you're, you've been feeling the pressure to get some more technology for your child, or you've been feeling the pressure to register your child for gymnastics at 18 months. And you've been feeling pressure to, oh my gosh, my kid's behind. There's a three-year-old basketball league and he doesn't even know how to dribble. And and I'm here to tell you, take a breath. We'll all be okay. And we're all in this together, but we will not let mom guilt drive our decisions. Even though it's there and it's real, it's not going to keep us where we are today. Agree? Excellent, excellent. Today we're going to talk about boredom. And there's a lady from England. She's done a lot of um, research on boredom and actually on the value of boredom. Her name is Sandy Mann from the University of Central Lancashire. Lancaster? I don't really know how to say that. And I'm from Mississippi, so pardon me if I just messed that up. In the UK, and she's done so much research. I'm going to tell you how she defines boredom. She defines boredom as search for neural stimulation that isn't being satisfied. Neural, meaning your mind, search for stimulation or engagement that isn't being satisfied. It's when our brains are like, hmm, Nothing going on. I need to find something. It's not going on. And if we're not careful and if we're not intentional, we take on that responsibility to make sure our kids are never bored. We are afraid of boredom. Maybe you're afraid of boredom because it makes you feel like a bad mom if my, your kid says, I'm bored. Maybe you're afraid of boredom because the other moms um, at the park all get into the sandbox with their kids and you're over there sipping on your coffee. Maybe you are afraid of boredom because your kid really gets out of hand when he's bored. Whatever it is, we're going to say today that there is some value in allowing our chil children to assume the responsibility of figuring it out when they feel the normal and natural feeling of boredom. We want to, instead of teaching our children how to avoid boredom, we want to teach them how to manage boredom. Instead of teaching them to avoid it, and instead of feeling guilty when our kids say they're bored, we want to teach them how to manage it. And where do we start? We always start with God, help me to see things as they really are. Help me to see what is real and true and give me the courage to do something about it. So first, you gotta check your boredom perspective. How do you feel about being bored yourself? And how do you feel about your kids being bored? When your child says, I'm bored, do you feel frustrated, tired? 
Do you feel like it's your responsibility to do something quick? Are you afraid that, you know, she's about to crawl into the pantry and pull everything out? Do you see this as something that you've done wrong? One article about boredom talked about parents in these days, as you'd call them, current trends. Being bored has become this frightening and dreaded experience to which we parents must respond immediately. Boredom is not up to a kid to figure out anymore. It's a parent's issue and a parent's problem. Boredom is a state that our children shouldn't have to endure, allowing our children to experience it and not taking it seriously may even by some be considered parental neglect. That's the trend. Our children should never be bored. And that it's a result of poor parenting or neglectful parenting if our children are bored. They're not registered in enough of classes. They're not doing enough extracurricular. They're not, they don't have enough toys. They, don't, they need more engagement with me. They need me more. They need me, me, me. And this is what I will tell you, that the research actually is very different. The research says boredom is good. There's value. As a matter of fact, we should structure in time for our kids to feel boredom and to then figure out what to do with it. So we check our boredom perspective, but we choose your boredom perspective. You've got to choose. You know what? I've got to see boredom as beneficial. I've got to see that it is not bad, that it's not just an opportunity, but a necessity for healthy, emotional, spiritual, physical growth. Next time your child says, I'm bored, remember that. It's beneficial. Research shows that it promotes imagination and creativity and problem solving. We said earlier that boredom is what the search for neural stimulation, looking for something to activate the brain, to activate thinking, to entertain. What we want to do is we want to empower our children to recognize that I'm bored. Ah, I see that you are. What are you going to do? And then we empower them to manage their own boredom. We give them the tools and the information to figure it out on their own, to see that boredom isn't bad. And guess what? Your boredom, not my job. Your boredom is your responsibility. And so we want to empower them because remember we said independence builds competence and competence builds confidence. And so we want to work on that independence. Our job is to prepare our children for the path, not the path for our children. Um, and so we got to, you know, take into our fearless mom principles. When we say, I must get comfortable with my child's being uncomfortable. I must separate my child's identity from my own. And I must put my child's needs above my wants, their needs of our wants. They need to be bored sometimes. It is not just an opportunity. It is a necessity. Um, whatever you thought about being bored before today, my prayer is that you see it as opportunity this afternoon and tomorrow. Look at Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2 says, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing what? By changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. We've got to change the way we think about this. We've got to change the way we think about our kids being bored, about our kids being uncomfortable, about our kids struggling. We've got to change the way we think about our responsibility and our guilt when our kids feel that way. And so our mantra 
Now, maybe you're going into a holiday season. Maybe you're going into um, a weekend or a spring break or a summer break. And here is your mantra. Bring on the boredom. Say it with me. Ready? One, two, three. Bring on the boredom. We're going to embrace boredom. And we're going to structure it into our lives. And we're going to celebrate it. First, you're going to schedule solitude. How do you bring on the boredom? Schedule solitude. Was that awkward for y'all? It was like 15 seconds, okay? We don't like it. We don't like quiet. We don't like solitude. Cal Newport, the author of Digital Minimalism, and I used his research a lot in the Own Your Mind business series. You can go check it out. I won't dig into everything that he says, but I love his definition of solitude. It is the subjective state in which your mind is free from input from other minds and distractions. It is the subjective state in which your mind, your brain, your thoughts are free from input from other minds and distractions. So solitude is being intentionally alone. It is not isolating for loneliness. It is intentionally isolating to be alone with your thoughts. It is mindful isolation. It is not a long period of isolation. It is solitude for the purpose of emotional health and well-being that will feed your physical health and well-being. I love free from input from other minds and distractions. Um, solitude, the advantages, he goes into them. It's actually such a fascinating book. It allows you to see the big picture and gain self-awareness. It allows your children to process thoughts and emotions and feelings. We do that in solitude. We do that when our minds are at rest. And so mindful minutes, mindful meanders, all of that stuff that we talk about in Fearless Mom, being intentional to look at our thoughts and feelings and sensations without judgment. It's, it's critical for emotional and physical and spiritual well-being. So we've got to schedule that solitude. If you look at it again, uh, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of the world, but let God transform you by changing the way you think. Don't copy the behaviors of the world. We learn from each other, but we don't compare to each other. Everybody wants to be different, I mean, you know, make a difference, but very few are willing to be different. Everyone wants to make a difference. Very few are willing willing to be different. We want to empower our kids. We say it all the time in LHC Kids. You're strong enough to be the only one. We love community. We benefit from each other. We love being friends with our kids, friends, parents, but you're strong enough to be the only one. You know your family values. You know your family vision, and you make sure solitude is a part of your life, even when nobody else does, because you understand the value. We talk a lot about mindfulness and being intentionally mindful, a mindful minute where you stop and just think about your breathing, stop and consider your thoughts, your feelings, your sensations with no judgment or comparison. Mindfulness is here. The opposite of mindfulness is mindlessness. So there's mindfulness and there's mindlessness. Mindlessness is what I would say you're doing when you're scrolling when you are unaware of time passing, but your brain is still stimulated by outside sources. And so maybe you are um, binge watching TV and like, oh my word, I didn't know that four hours had passed and I watched a whole season, you know, or I didn't know, that's mindlessness. I didn't realize I'd been scrolling on Facebook or on Pinterest or whatever for so long, that's mindlessness. We're looking at boredom. 
It's somewhere in the middle there. Mindful activities like yoga are so valuable, like being mindful for a minute or five minutes. That's so important. That's not boredom. But nor is boredom where you're mindless and not thinking at all. Boredom is more like when you are doing a task that is repetitive or something that does not require much thought, which is why you hear people all the time talk about like, oh, I have my best ideas. Where do you hear it? My best ideas in the... Shower, everybody says that, why? Because that's boredom. You're doing something, but your mind is not focused. Your mind has time to wander. That's what boredom is. Your mind has time to wander. Not mindfully intentional, not mindless. It's that time to wander. It's also maybe while you're doing a repetitive task or a chore like mopping, sweeping, vacuuming, you're doing something, but your mind is free to wander. Maybe you're going on a stroll in a familiar neighborhood and you are, you are doing the same path that you do all the time. That is when boredom engages. Also, um, free play for children, independent free play. Independent free play is wonderful. There is great value in that. You're letting a kid wander and wander. Their minds are allowed to wander. It's, it's giving them time to get bored and then problem solving to figure something out. That's when we are most creative. That's when we use our imagination most. And that's when our problem solving kicks in. Um, for me, I drive the same route to the beach every time we go. It's 12 hours. And every time I go, especially if I'm driving by myself and meeting my kids down there, I will have, you know, like big plans for Fearless Mom, our poor team. Uh, but it's because I get on I-10 and I just go. And I don't have to think. I'm engaged, but my mind has time to wander. Make sure you are structuring time for yourself, for your mind to wander, and for your children. Independent play. Free play, totally different than structured activities. We love, you know, organized sports. We love gymnastics and dance and anything physical for your child. There's so much value, but it cannot take the place of all the free time. Free play is mission critical. Free play. Let them come up with their own games. Let them do it on their own. Um, what do children need to develop emotionally, relationally, and spiritually? They need movement, particularly free play. They need touch, connection, and nature, none of which come from technology. None of which come from technology. So number one, you schedule solitude. Number two, set screen boundaries. Set screen boundaries. And I know some of you are wanting me to give you the number of minutes for your family or the you know, devices you should have in your house. I'm not gonna do that. I'm gonna encourage you to do that research on your own. We wanna encourage you to check out Own Your Mind Business. That um, series goes into detail. And then also Taming the Technology Monster by Sissy Goff. We love their approach to technology. It's not fear of. It's gradually teaching your children a little bit at a time, um, letting go of the reins a little bit at a time. I love technology. I mean, technology, are you joking me right now? The fact that I can order groceries and they show up on my doorstep, it's like miracles, you know? Every, I love it so much. I I'm not anti-technology. I do think we have to be intentional. Technology progressed so quickly that we need to be intentional. This is not about guilt. This is just about opportunity. This is about, oh, this is the new information. Now what am I gonna do with it? And so you make that call for your family. Um, so then third, you schedule your solitude, you set screen boundaries, and third, give gifts 
that feed the fire. Give gifts. When you're trying to pick a birthday gift or a Christmas gift or whatever gift for your child or for another family, think, oh, that's right. Boredom is good. Imagination, creativity. And so what can I give? What gift do my children want that can fit into and feed the fire of our family? Feed our family values. Feed our family vision. And so I want to give you some examples. Experiences. Tickets to concerts or games or events. Always choose experience over another thing. That is a memory that is, a, that is valuable, that's feeding family values. Memberships or passes from grandparents, from aunts and uncles and close friends. What does your child want for Christmas? You know what? We'd love a membership to the museum or a season pass to, um, you know, the zoo. Whatever it is, you got, what is something? Think outside the box. Maybe your, the grandmother wants to give you a semester of piano lessons or guitar lessons or horse back riding lessons, whatever it is, try thinking that way. What is it that feeds the values of our family? And yes, for sure, your kid's going to ask for technology. They all ask for technology, and that's up to you. That's up to you and your family. And it's not all bad if you decide to do that, but you set your boundaries. And you go, this is a privilege, and with, with this privilege comes responsibility. Here are our family's boundaries, and we're going to draw some pretty significant boundaries here. And that's totally fine, totally fine. But you set your boundaries, and you give gifts that feed the fire. I'll tell you another one. In our house, that was huge dress-up clothes. Dress up encourages imaginative play and creativity. And um, if you've got a daughter like mine, good gracious, she wore dress up clothes everywhere as a cover up to the pool, you know, sequins. Always. You never know what kind of vacation it's going to end up being. And so dress up clothes, um, books, anything non-screen that gets kids exploring outdoors. Think outside. Think nature. There's so much value in nature. And so think that way. Gifts that foster the arts, musical instruments, art supplies, athletic and sports gear, lessons that um, facilitate any of those things. The opportunities are endless. You guys, there are some amazing subscriptions you can get. Who doesn't like to get mail? And so whether it's Kid Faith Crates, one of our partners that sends our, you know, uh, crafts and Bible lessons every month, or whether it's the one that my kids got highlights, there are tons of them. Everyone still likes to get old-fashioned mail. Think outside the box. And I know it's hard. And I know that I am walking alongside you, speaking you know, to you, like, do this, do this, do this. It's constant, and the mom guilt is real, isn't it? And it's, it's going to be there, but you can't let it guide your decisions. We know that boredom is good, and we know that a bored kid doesn't mean that the parent isn't paying attention. A bored kid actually, research says, the bored kid, if allowed to practice being bored, will then respond to that boredom, figuring it out on his own, being creative, being imaginative, problem-solving, processing his or her own feelings and thoughts, and will be better off mentally, physically, spiritually, relationally. We can do this. It's hard, but we're all in this together. Let's pray together. God, I thank you so much for this day. I thank you, God, for the gift of boredom. I thank you for the gift of technology and what it is, and we pray for your wisdom as we learn the role that it should play in our lives and the role it should play in our kids' lives. God, give us the courage to see things as they really are and the wisdom to 
put in place solitude and to, to set those screen boundaries and then to, to get gifts that fuel our family's vision. Thank you, God, for your direction, for your peace, for your joy and your hope that we know comes from you. In Jesus' name, amen. We're so glad you joined us today. You can get more resources and information at fearlessmom.com.